Welcome everyone to Gabagool and Roses, the only Leftist Sopranos podcast. We're here for episode one, season one, The Sopranos. We're about to talk about it. So boot up your dad's HBO Go account because it's time for Gabagool and Roses. And this is where the Gabagool and Roses. Talking about Leftist Sopranos podcast. (laughs) All right. Did you people take notes? How, look! Look at this. Rachel did. Yeah, yeah, I got notes. Good. All right, good. Rachel and Ben have notes. Welcome everyone to Gabagool and Roses, the only leftist Sopranos podcast. I'm John Evans, joined as always by Rachel Weaselquist, and from DC. Hey, what's up? This is Ben Woody, and we are going to talk about season one, episode one of The Sopranos, which is entitled The Sopranos. And we're going to talk about it. So, first impressions, what did you guys think? Liked it. It was fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, we should probably just get into the whole... Uh, just get into it. What's what's at the top of your of your brain dome? Alright, so I want to do a, a recap of the plot okay. of, the, of the first episode. I think. Yeah, All right. I have a couple of questions. Okay, so... L- Maybe I'll do that. I'll walk us through sort of the plot, and you guys just sort of let me know your thoughts okay. as we go through it. Okay, okay John, let's see yes. if you can get through the plot in uh, in ninety seconds or less. Ooh, I like this. Uh, okay, shit. I had the Wikipedia pulled up, and I was just going to steal from it. But all right, so no, do it from memory, you fucking coward. All right, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Okay, gosh, right. Ben's no longer on the podcast. Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, essentially we've got the first episode here. We're setting up a lot of the characters. Uh, On the family side, we've got AJ's birthday party is coming up. That's a big deal. Daughter Meadow Soprano, she wants to go to Aspen with Hunter Scangarelli, and that might be in jeopardy now. Uh, Tony is seeing psychiatrist Dr. Melfi, and boy, we didn't really give Edie Falco much of a storyline of her own this episode, but... Um, on the criminal side, on the mob side of things, Tony is dealing with a, a waste management issue with a competitor that his uh, nephew, uh, Christopher, is going to take care of in an unexpected way. And uh, we also have... Uh, 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 oh, he's also dealing with a debtor that owes him a gambling debt. And uh, we see how Tony likes to collect. Mm-hmm. Very good. You did that in 56 seconds. So. Yeah. He also is, he's stressed out by his uncle. I got that much. That's right. Oh, yes. Then we have another storyline about Uncle Junior trying to whack little pussy bumpin'. No, sorry. Excuse me. <laughs> big pussy is big p- pussy bumpin' Sarah. It's little pussy Malinga. Uh-huh. You, you're going to fuck with my pussy? You're not going to fuck with my pussy. <laughs> my pussy? Big pussy? My pussy? Uh, yeah, these are grown men calling each other <laughs> pussy and allowing, or I guess, encouraging other people to call call me pussy. My name is Pussy Bombancero. That to me is surprising, though, because it, to me, it, I, I I saw that the Artie uh, storyline was probably the most important storyline in terms of developing the characters, uh, because you know the whole idea was uh, Uncle Junior is gonna is going to whack a dude in this, uh, like, nice restaurant in town. And, right. you know, the idea is, whoa, 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 we don't want to 
have our bullshit spill over into, you know, civilian life or whatever. This is a friend of ours. His, his restaurant is good. We want to continue to have a good restaurant. So they they foil Uncle Junior's plan by uh, the most logical uh, <laughs> solution. But, well, is, they try a couple of things. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. What did they try? So first they try just talking to Uncle Junior. You right. may run no Jersey. You don't run your Uncle Junior. That's mm-hmm. what he says. But yeah, so he tries talking to Uncle Junior. That doesn't work. By the way, I just want to point out, Uncle Junior, uh, watch it, rewatching it, has uh, mad un- uh, Uncle Baby Billy vibes. Oh, for sure. <laughs> just the name Uncle Junior, if you've seen Righteous Gemstones. Oh my god. There's a full-grown man that everyone refers to, played by, um, oh shit, what's his uh, uh, Walton Goggins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Walton Goggins' so character good. is Uncle Baby Billy. And everyone calls him that. And That's not that different from uh, Big Pussy or Little no. Pussy either. And he's just like recklessly like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Right, right. Yeah, Uncle Junior has has a lot of uh, Uncle Baby Billy energy. Right. So after Uncle Junior was uh, not dissuaded from carrying out this uh, uh, murder at this fancy, nice restaurant... Uh, then what do they decide to do? Then, then they try to get Artie to take a vacation. Because Tony's a labor leader! He's a labor leader. <laughs> and, yeah, they're gonna have him take a vacation so oh. that the restaurant is closed, right? Right, when, that's the so idea. They, yeah. Because if, because... In these guys' minds, if the cook of the restaurant isn't there, how could the, <laughs> the restaurant, restaurant stay open? Right, right. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you also, uh, you know, picked up that because I was like, wait, wait, wait. Right. That's not the guy they want to go out of town. What <laughs> they right. probably anybody exactly. else should go out of town. Exactly right. Send a little pussy on a on a fucking cruise, <laughs> right? Right. So and especially like it looks like he just got out of jail or something, right? Yeah. We see some we see some footage on TV. Be like, hey, welcome back. Go on a cruise. But no, and you see, you so you, the the show goes out of its way to show you already working with his sous chefs and his other chefs in his kitchen, telling them you know go stir the meatballs or whatever. So he has a staff. Like this right. isn't gonna work even if he took the tickets. But we see his wife is the voice of reason. Uh, I would say she's the voice of reason. I think the show has other things to say. Oh, absolutely, about her. yeah, absolutely. It's now you know. It's her fault, basically, that that the restaurant was blown up instead because she didn't want him to accept the tickets. It just sucks. And my mom's calling me. Oh. Um, hey, mom. Mothers and their she's, daughters. She's in Italy right now. Oh, she's wow. in the motherland right now. Wow, it's 1046. Um, yeah. Well, hmm. let me tell yeah, her I family. can't answer her call because I'm recording a podcast. About the Sopranos. That's, that's right. So... I want to talk a little bit about why it was, why that was their third idea was to blow up the yeah, fucking yeah. restaurant to save. Then their yeah, then their third idea is we'll just fucking we'll do what we do we'll blow up this fucking restaurant. He'll get the insurance money, right? Uh, and so. Michael Imperioli comes in and goes, "Uh, <laughs> people, what if people don't come back to the fucking restaurant?" Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I like um. Michael Imperioli's character, Christopher, he gives me kind of like, I can't tell yet if he's smart or dumb. He gives me kind of Johnny Drama vi- uh, vibes, if you ever watched Entourage. Okay. Okay. He's, he's, yeah, like, sure. uh, he's like constantly feeling underappreciated, but like also thinks he's a big time fucking baller. Um, I can't, yeah, he seemed to, to, to be 
the only one that had doubts about this methodology. But in the end, he was just being a whiny baby because he felt unappreciated. Right, right. No, I, I, th- I think that's right. I think that's a good read on Chris, too. Um, but yeah, so they they blow up the fucking restaurant. A perfectly good restaurant, as Artie says. Right. Uh, and that's and that's makes things more difficult for Junior. Right. So, I mean, now this this restaurant is done. Uh, all of these fucking people don't have any jobs anymore because they blow up the fucking restaurant they work at. Yeah, but right. Tony is a labor. Tony is a labor leader. So. A labor leader. So. Where does that come okay. from? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, where were you pulling that line from? No, no, no. Where, I know uh, where you're pulling it from. I just okay. Like, what? <laughs> That's not connected to anything, though. Right? Like, is, it, is it factual? He he says he says when he's talking to Artie that he's he's in charge of the whatever union, and and he is right. So there's very um, something for us to talk about in future episodes: the connection with organized labor. This show has a very cynical view of organized labor. Interesting. Uh, Tony is is very involved in the. Uh, in the union, he's the. I think he says he's the uh, the business agent for local whatever whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and they and he administers their dental plan. And so some dentists got together and gave him comps. Those are these tickets. Um, yes. Who Charlene Artie's wife? Oh my God! Now one of the dogs is whining. Uh, Charlene Artie's wife is uh, adamant that uh, somebody lost their kneecaps for those fucking tickets, Artie. Right. And then so. with that very, very funny cut right to, uh, what's his name? Uh, right to, yeah, the, uh. In his cast. Oh, gosh, I can't remember the character's name now, but yes. The guy uh, who Mahaffey, owes the Mahaffey, money. the guy yeah. who owes the money is in his, uh, is in his full leg cast. <laughs> this, the show is a lot funnier than I expected it right? to be. Yeah, there's it's some good. good comedic, uh, timing going on. It is very good, and it gets funnier, and, and. And I think it does a really good job of of keeping that sort of tone throughout the series. Okay, good. So, so let's go back to the beginning because it, you know, I, I, yeah, there are multiple storylines. There's like four or five storylines just in this one episode. So we're gonna right. kind of have to take them one at a time. So in, in looking at it, this was a pilot uh, from 1997 right. that just sort of sat on the shelf. Um, that's that's strange. Okay. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, so so, apparently- so one of the first the first images that I saw uh, that I that I decided to stop and, and look at was when he goes outside uh, to get the newspaper. He opens the newspaper uh, and starts. You know, he immediately opens the newspaper. He doesn't read what's on the front page, right? which is right. what you do with newspapers, obviously. Sure. Uh, of course. The first thing he you know, but the the Star Ledger, the headline says. Uh, something to the effect yes. that Clinton, Clinton says Medicare could be bust by year 2000. Yes, right. I saw that as well. Right. Okay, so like from the beginning, I I was like, this is what clued me into it not being like in 1999, because I was like, why wouldn't they just write fucking next year? You know? Right, right. <laughs> but anyway, that's a good catch. Of that theme from, you know, 23 years ago, the vi- you know, viability of a, of a federal program. Uh, right, it is being... interesting. 20 years ago, the, it was the scourge of the federal government, right? We were in the, uh, we were in the era of, the era of big government was dead, is dead, as Clinton famously said, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're talking about Medicare for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and hoping against hope for it. Yeah. Uh, I This is, like, not necessarily politically related, but the what struck me was um, the, like, cultural conversation about antidepressants. I just, like, remember being, like, a kid in that era and just, like, seeing all the commercials for antidepressants and just how, like, how the people in the show talk about them uh, really struck a chord with me. Um, y'all remember, like, when antidepressants were, like, a big, ooh, there's now medicine for your, like, you know, I mean, it right. existed before, but it right. was, like, becoming more commercialized, Now it's for, like, housewives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, and and I, th- I feel like that's sort of the reputation that Tony thinks of it as, as like, yeah. for, like, bored, bored Midwestern housewives or something, right? <laughs> yeah. like, stress is for other people. Like, right. Uh, I'm not friggin' depressed. Yeah. Whatever. I like how he had to take his wife to a nice dinner to let her know that he's on antidepressants. Right. <laughs> Their marriage seems fucking awesome. <laughs> it's crazy, right? Uh, and, and all right, so I want to talk about Edie Falco for yeah. a second because she's great in that scene. She's so supportive of him when he tells her, she's, oh, I think that's so great, Tony. Um, that's that's great. Like, so you see sort of in her, she does kind of love him a little bit. She does want him to be better. Yeah. Men, I find you a, a wife who will not throw wine at you for admitting <laughs> that you're taking antidepressants. Right. But, you know, I felt like I saw in her, like, it was more, like, relief for herself. She was like, oh, right. thank God, like, this motherfucker is getting some help. I feel True. like she, I mean, because I noticed in the... um in the hospital scene when he's getting the MRI, like, she immediately is like, fuck you. Like, right. she does not give a shit. I don't know. I'm curious she, to see what I think she really feels for him. Right. Well, so if you compare those two scenes, she tells him he's going to hell. Right. No, right? she does not like. Yeah. They don't know what's going on with him. He could be dying. Yeah. Like, for all they know. And he, she's just like, you're going to hell. So it's a it's a great uh, sort of comparison. I think those two yeah. scenes. I have not seen any characters in the show interact in a way that makes me think that they like each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good read. Yeah, for sure. I don't yeah, know even, if that'll change. Even Tony and his paramour in that scene when she steals JFK's hat. Gumar, right? <laughs> yeah, You know, it's like yeah, and and that that scene, you know. If I remember correctly, that scene where he's on the boat with the with his paramour is immediately Kumar. before the scene in which he's in the restaurant in which he says, yeah. you know, I'm on right. antidepressants now. And I think that's a good throwback to the Goodfellas um, story back when they would say, you know, on, on Friday nights, we would be out with our girlfriends. Right. And on Saturday night, we go out with, you know, our spouses. So that way, there the two shall meet. Right. And, and and you even see the waiter. I, I pointed this out to Rachel when we were watching it. You see the waiter say, we haven't seen you in forever, Mr. Soprano. When he was just there <laughs> yeah. at that same restaurant the night before. Also, right. how stupid is he that he takes his mistress to the same fucking right. restaurant that yeah. he takes his wife? There, you were right. There's a lot of stupid, like blatantly stupid behavior. So like, right. that's one thing. And mm-hmm. then I also, what the fuck is with chasing the guy in the car through the park? You can't do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you, like, well. I thought like it to be a mobster, you have to have like some discretion, right? Uh, and he's no. just like, no, I'm gonna roll through this park. Uh, like an office busy park. Par- office yeah. park during the day and then beat the fuck out of this guy on the lawn. Yeah. You cannot do that. It's a it's a pretty savage beating. Like he hits him with the car and then yeah. punches him in his broken leg. 
and then has Christopher. It's a savage beating in the middle of the day. And everyone is wa- like at this point. I say, well, like how complicit is the the community of North New Jersey in? Tony Soprano's activities like is it just one of those situations where they're like oh all right it's Tony or is it like this is just fake that's a that's a good question right is this tv show fake (laughs) it is it's a little fake uh so because it doesn't have that like godfather goodfellas thing of like everyone in the neighborhood knows to keep their mouth shut Mm -hmm. because they live in the fucking suburbs Right. right they live in north jersey right outside the city so there's not a neighborhood there's fucking suburbs you see where tony lives uh, next to his his doctor, Doctor Cusimano. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that is an interesting thought. I don't know that the show answers that uh, ever for us, but I have to keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, I think if you see somebody get the shit beat out of them like that, I don't know. I, I'm not coming forward. Well, uh, don't I, call I, the cops. So we should say that. One thing. That yeah, don't I, call the cops. One thing I liked at the beginning of the like the very first thing that. That you see when you click play is you know this drive that Tony does. I don't know if this is oh my god the, the Jersey the opening, Turnpike. If the opening credits is um, you know if that's how it is for all of the episodes, it is. Obviously. It is actually. But I think it's it's a great way to set up the expectation of the show, which is to say this wannabe loser is driving out of the city and right. into New Jersey. He is a fucking fraud is a phony piece of shit you know he, he thinks yep. he's all this but he's not so this is what the show's about the dawn of new jersey what a great award <laughs> yeah so glad that they got that beautiful footage of the turnpike in there and the twin towers Oh, yes, yeah. the Twin Towers are, yeah. Uh, shout out to the Twin a, Towers. <laughs> shout out to the Twin Towers. <laughs> Shouts out to Muhammad Atta. Keep it shout crispy. Out, shout out to the Great Satan. Uh, still doing its thing, you know. Oh, wait, do we need to cut that? Never stops. No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> this isn't Twitter. On Twitter, that's a threat, but. Okay. <laughs> Inshallah. Anyway. Uh, so so wait so I want to go back and I want to talk about Carmela for just another second here. So I'm sorry, what, yeah, one, that's okay. One of the things that I do like about the show um, is you don't have like a Breaking Bad kind of thing where he's trying to hide it from the wife. Clearly, from episode one, from the jump, we know Carmela yeah. knows. She goes to the fake column and pulls out the AK-47. That fucking mm-hmm. rules. Um, she knows that, like, his soul is tortured. He's able to tell her, like, don't t- talk about the Prozac because I'll get a bullet in the back of my head. Um, so, like, she knows and she is, to a certain extent, complicit in those yeah. crimes. And that's something that you'll see her character sort of struggle with throughout the series. Um, so, uh, Carmela is uh, my favorite character on the show. So, we will uh, talk about her a lot. I'm excited to see her little spiritual journey as well uh, with that that little priest what's interesting okay so uh, a note father intentola is played by a different actor in this pilot oh uh, that happens a lot with pilots and especially ben you said that this sat on the shelf for two years um but they were able to get everybody back when it went to series okay. except for the bit player who played father intentola in this uh-huh. one episode so it's a different guy in the in future episodes but um anyway yeah uh there's there's definitely more of their relationship so Ooh. we could talk about that Mm-hmm. How about those ducks? How about dim ducks? <laughs> I mean, I thought I thought to your point in the earlier episode where you were talking about how 
you know, they tell us this guy's a fucking moron. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, the first thing that you see him doing that he's describing is getting his children to watch these ducks fly. <laughs> and it's like, no shit, dude. Just, you know, right. I, I mean, it was sweet. You know, I mean, I could totally see myself doing something like that because I, I also am a fucking moron. But like, right. I, I mean, it's like this, you know, they don't give a shit. You know, <laughs> they've seen ducks fly, whatever. Man. Right. Right. So and he's totally in love with these ducks, right? He's mm-hmm. obsessed with the ducks. We see him go back in the house. He pulls out the book. Uh, Carmela can't even get his attention because his nose is in the book of birds or whatever. Uh, and then, so then contrast that scene with him savagely beating the shit out of a guy, yeah. right? Like he's, so I'm going to say this a lot if we keep doing this because we'll keep doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, Tony Soprano is a fucking sociopath. He's a hulking monster. And in this sort of, with the ducks, he's almost like a Lenny type. <laughs> I want him to hug the ducks and then them not wake up again. Um, <laughs> oh, I don't want him oh to do God. that, but I feel like that would be in, in touch with his character. But he's uh, an absolute sociopath. Um, and we'll see that more. So he breaks down in therapy, finally. The last therapy session we see, he breaks down. Well, it's a breakthrough, John. A bre- excuse me, a breakthrough. I wrote that down. Breakthrough of the episode. The ducks, right? The ducks make him cry um, in therapy. Not earlier when he's sort of vaguely talking about his uncle killing somebody <laughs> or he's talking about he went and got coffee with, with Mahatmi, uh, which is really that we hit him with a car. That doesn't bring tears to his eyes. These fucking ducks who left his backyard do. I think it's beautiful. It's like uh, exactly like the classic fucking white male, like Thoreau, like I'm having a revelation because nature is showing me something about life that I couldn't get because I'm emotionally fucking numb all the time. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. I think that's right. I think that's a good mm-hmm. read on it. But. So uh, we could talk about therapy a little bit since we've gotten into to that part of it uh the therapist dr melfi played by lorraine brocco as we talked about in our previous episode uh what did we think about dr melfi uh, or do we have thoughts yet i don't agree with her tactics i'm gonna okay. say she just whips out a fucking script pad and she's like here you go i well, i don't know about y'all but when I have gone to thera- a psychiatrist, they generally ask you a lot more questions than that. Uh, that's true. That's um, true. And she, I, like, I don't know. The, I, I, I understand that the therapist is a device, but I think they're being a little lazy with it because there, he'll, it'll be one second he's like, "This isn't going to work. I'm not going to talk to you," and then she just asks a very direct question, and then he immediately answers, and I'm like. He really is that fucking stupid, but, like, also the writing is, like, not nuanced at all. It's just, like, and this is how we are going to lead you into the mind of Tony Soprano. It's it's something that I think the show, I, I, I remember it getting better at doing as it goes along using those therapy sessions. Yeah. It is a little, I think, maybe because everything else has ripped it off, it seems a little stale. Well, and in, 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 in a pilot episode, you can only do so much. Definitely. definitely. I understand that. You gotta sell that shit. Yeah. So, John, what did you think of the explanation of the uh, doctor-patient privilege? <laughs> uh, so, a- as far as I was concerned, it wasn't necessarily inaccurate, right? Uh, 
Tell me what again she says. She says that as long as he's not talking about something he's about he's going to hurt somebody or himself, that she can't talk about it or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. That that's that's what I understand too. No. I when I first heard it, maybe I you know, I didn't rewind it and say, What the fuck happened? Because I I thought she said <clears throat> You know, if you're telling me about something that has already happened, I have to go to the police. Which, of course, not to turn this into a fucking law podcast, but that's not right, you know. Uh, It's, you know, imminent harm to somebody. That's right. Ben is right. And I don't don't remember exactly how the show says it, but that is an important point. Uh, So... Uh, if you had, because, if you've already killed somebody, you can tell your therapist about it. Just so you all know, it's if you yes. haven't killed them yet, Wait, but they're what? in the basement, that's where you're getting trouble, right? Right. Yeah. So you know, get self care. You know, if you've already murdered someone, just you know, open up about yeah. it. Right? Talk to your therapist. And I think we've broken Rachel's. Yeah. I, I know. The second okay. you said law, I was like, I'm out. Um. <laughs> just this is this is legal advice. This is not Hell legal advice. You're not supposed to say this that. This is not legal advice. <laughs> oh, I'm concerned oh, about okay. our liability is really the issue. Which is I ironic. We- because I'm not the <laughs> fucking lawyer. <laughs> okay, so, but anyway, so, like, the reason why, the reason why that bothered me so much is because, like, you know, he started editing the gruesome parts of the story because he was under the impression that he couldn't talk about all the murders that have happened right. and all the beatings and shit like that. He wanted to get, like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use euphemisms to describe what happened and all, and it's like, dude, come on, just fucking, right. you know, do, do, if there's gonna be this much exposition, just say it. God damn. Do we think that maybe Melfi was trying to protect herself in her first session from what sort of horrors he may delve into? Maybe she's like, I don't want him to tell me about him killing somebody, and maybe this is what I'll say to this guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading yeah, too much yeah, into keep, it, but maybe that's her I mean, her motivation. There. Like, does she know that he's a mobster guy? Like, yeah, or, she clearly knows. She does. Yeah, because she stops him. He says these. He's he says he's in waste management, okay. right? And he's she, a waste management consultant, and then she she points out that he lives next to his family physician. Uh, presumably, mm-hmm. she knows where the family physician lives and knows that like a garbage man or garbage consultant isn't living in that fucking neighborhood, right? Right. I do. Okay. I like. I like the therapist character because I think she's got a little mystery under her. Right. Like she. She knows more than I think she lets on. Obviously, mm-hmm. of course, because she's a therapist. But but I'm curious to see how uh, she fits into the story in the future. Good, because we'll get to see a lot more of Doctor Melfi for sure. I oh, do yeah. like. I do want to point out when he sees Doctor Melfi in the restaurant. Yes. She yeah. she acts like she doesn't know him. That is uh that's ethics. Yeah. Uh that's mental health ethics. Um so if you see your mental health professional in public, do not be concerned that they are going to come and talk to you and expose you as a mental health patient. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh but there is still unfortunately a stigma. But uh but yeah, so she so he comes up to her, right? Um right. because she's not allowed to to recognize him in public. 
The first time I ran into somebody I knew from my therapist's office in public, I was I felt so deeply uh, sad because I thought they just didn't like me. Oh, and no. I was like, oh, hi. <laughs> and they were like, oh, <laughs> and then immediately leave. Right. They're not being rude, folks. No, they're protecting they're be- you. Yeah, it's, it's a sweet thing. Right, right. It's a professional thing. Absolutely. What what's going on with uh I I couldn't like grasp what Uncle Junior was saying to Tony's mom about the feds like is he working with the feds He's uh well uh, it was a little bit confusing I think so he's not working with the feds He was talking about He's talking about how the feds are cracking down on their business right He's talking right. about no- nothing's recession proof Yeah Right, so so the old saying in like the mob is that their business is recession proof. It's drugs, it's yes. money lending, and it's gambling. Right, people still gamble even if they don't have the money to do it because it's addicting and whatever. Um, so he's saying it's not the recession that's the reason why we're not having money, and it's not guys turning states witness because there aren't that many of those. Something else is going on, and so something may have to be done about Tony, uh. implying that Tony is is gobbling up all the money uh. himself. I believe is the implication. Okay. There, so. So he's talking with Livia, with Olivia, uh, Tony's mother, about killing Tony. Again, nobody in this fucking show likes anybody else in this show. (laughs) No. I think Tony likes his mom. Hmm. I, you know, I, I mean, he tries. He does a couple of things. You know, he, he comes over. He brings her, you know, a CD player and wants to play her the music that she likes. True. But, you know, so I think he he doesn't know how to express his love for his mother. He also blames but, her for his father becoming a, what did he call his father? A little, a little nub. weak little nub. Squeaking little nub. Squeak, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. I think he just wants approval, but maybe doesn't know how to... I mean, uh, clearly he has issues with yes. women. <laughs> that much is clear. For right. sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would say it. I think he likes his mom. I think he wants her to accept him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and real gross for Tony to, like, hit on his therapist. Like, <laughs> what part of the boot are you from, hon? Jesus. <laughs> Very classy. So, and, and he does that. He's trying to turn the change the subject right he doesn't want to talk about his depression so he tries hitting on her because again he's a dumb animal and he doesn't know right. anything except fight and fuck does know enough to get through a semester and a half of college. yeah that's one of my yeah, favorite that was things good. <laughs> so there, there's another he's bragging right he's bragging to her okay. about having a semester and a half of college because in his world that's a brag right not right. hers right. where she's a fucking well she's writing scripts right so she's a uh, psychiatrist? Psychiatrist? Yeah. Yeah. She's I mixed them up. Psychiatrist. Prescribe. Right. She's prescribing. So mm-hmm. she has a fucking doctorate. And he's like, I get Freud as a concept. Yeah. Uh, and boy, does he, because he asks for some dream interpretation, dream analysis. He, he does. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did we think about Tony's dream? It was dumb. <laughs> it was very dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. a dumb man's dream. Mm hmm. But it's, it is, yeah, no, I don't have anything to it, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's very basic, right? Like, clearly you mm-hmm. lost your manhood and the ducks fly off with it. You're looking for your mechanic because you're a misogynist and you're not looking for your female doctor to fix it. 
yeah, he's just a dumb piece of shit. Wife, or your wife. Or your family. Sure, sure. Uh, it's got to be a man, so it's uh, it's his mechanic to fix his... Who used to work on his Lincolns. When, when he right? drove Lincolns. When he drove Lincolns. He doesn't drive Lincolns. When he drove I, I wrote down, um, and this could really apply at any point in time in this episode, but I wrote down the word, uh, words... Toxic masculine. <laughs> okay. I think that might be able to apply to the entire series. But maybe, yeah, okay. the name of the show is Sopranos colon Toxic Masculinity. <laughs> and, and that to me is also funny that it's called The Sopranos, you know? Yeah. That's the highest yeah. pitch. I mean, right. are we. I'm, I'm now touching on something that nobody has thought of before. <laughs> 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 Here's a fun aside from the internet: is that uh, Jamie Lee Lynn Siegler, who's playing the daughter Meadow, uh, when she auditioned for the show, she thought she was auditioning for a singing show. Oh my god! And she's a singer, and we'll see that later in the show. Wow! Uh, oh good. So she didn't realize it was a mafia show, and that's why they put the gun in the logo is because they were afraid people would think that it was about a <laughs> choir or something. Oh, boy. So. Fucking idiots. They're almost as dumb as Tony. One more thing on uh, how dumb Tony is. Tony doesn't know what qualms means. Oh, yeah. And the show is very, I think, subtle about this. She asks if he has any qualms about what he does. And he's like, yeah. And then he talks about how it's gotten so hard because guys just won't. Uh, guys will snitch to the feds. It's not qualms about like morally how do you feel about the fact that you beat guys up to get your debts back it's about like he doesn't know what qualms means right with his semester and a half of college he also called hannibal lecter hannibal lecture hannibal did you lecture, catch that <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of fun mispronunciations in this it. show we got a lot of fun uh italian words in this episode oh, yeah. too mafangul uh-huh yeah. and uh some some they great gabagool in the they first episode gabagool. I was fondly reminded of what I spoke about in the intro episode, which is the Jewish-Italian uh, similarities. Yeah. When he goes over to his mother's house, it is like me going, <laughs> I feel uh, at home. <laughs> Just like someone trying to feed you, like right. not taking, I like the second she asked if he wanted eggplant, I was like, she's going to get him a plate of eggplant right. anyway. I know this game. Um, just and then just mm-hmm. incredible every opportunity to make you feel guilty about a life choice. Right, right. Oh, mm-hmm. I love it. Feel right at home. I don't home. want it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then what did you think about uh, Herman Hesch, the the Jewish friend, Tony's Jewish friend? Absolutely love that representation. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. Yeah, the Jew. I love to this keep a Jew around. Jew. <laughs> I assume that's why I'm here. Yes, yeah, you're our, our token Jew. Uh, our Jewish correspondent. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so interestingly, there won't be a lot of anti-Semitism in this show, because Hesh is, Hesh is around a lot. Good. Oh, good. Kind of. I guess, I don't know. I said that and you made your eyebrows go up like, what did I just watch was pretty anti-Semitic. <gasps> no, I mean, I don't think that the show was anti I mean, that little bit could have been Maybe, you know, it was a little not great. Um, you know, it's the classic, like, I, I don't know. I don't expect anything from this show to be incredibly woke about any sort of... That's smart. <laughs> anything that's not uh, white male Catholics. 
you know what I mean? That's correct. So I'm sure it's not going to be like a theme. Again, we, the Catholics and the Jews, we love each other. But uh, I don't know if, I mean, there's going to be problematic shit throughout on many levels. I am, of that, I am sure. Most. Speaking of problematic stuff, I want to talk about the, uh, the meeting at the butcher shop. Oh, Uh, yes. Yeah, so that was a waste of Coke. I, uh, that's what I thought as well. <laughs> Why would you give him coke first and then kill him? Uh, right. I guess I mean, it's a flex. Kind of a flex. It's a flex. Right. But, you know, why Why line up five for him and then, uh, you know, right. let him do one and shoot him? You know, just give him one. He, yeah, he didn't have Whatever. to cut all those lines out. Like, he has like four or five lines <laughs> that he's chopped out. <laughs> and he, the guy only does like one, maybe one, a half of one, and then he gets plugged in the back of the head. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is classic Johnny drama behavior, uh, just like flexing in the dumbest fucking way, and then <laughs> like making right. a mistake. Also, doing lines off a meat cleaver. Oh, right? that was a huge fucking, fucking meat wow, cleaver. Wow, yeah. Well, they're in a butcher shop. So. They're in a butcher yeah. shop. When in Rome. That's my aesthetic. Christopher does a double take of the pig's heads at the end of that scene, which again, <laughs> yeah. he's so fucking stupid. They've been behind him the whole time. He's been in that pork store. They hang out there all the fucking time. And he's surprised mm-hmm. by the pig's heads right behind him because he's dumb. Yeah, I also, Or is he smart? Well, well yeah, we'll see. I liked <clears throat> getting to like spy on him a little bit before the guy pulls up and yeah. he's just kind of like doing this weird like choreography. Yeah. <laughs> butcher shop i think we're supposed to assume he's on coke right i think that's why we see that scene is that he's already a little... i'm assuming everyone is on coke right oh. in fact that's my <laughs> approach to life <laughs> that's your general <laughs> <laughs> well this is people aren't friendly enough around here to be all on coke but in they DC. probably are yeah y'all should do more coke dc yeah yes dc <laughs> needs to do more coke I don't think I'd yes. ever, I didn't think I'd ever hear that. This is an official stance of the podcast. Uh, DC does need more coke. More coke in politics. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mitch McConnell just doing huge fatty rails. <laughs> just, <laughs> as uh, as Tom Wanskant says to Greg, <laughs> oh my God. he just needs to suck more big white dicks. <laughs> Uh, thank you for tuning into our Succession podcast. <laughs> Honestly, why didn't we do that? Uh, that it's, been... succession, it's, not it's so I mean, fucking hey, good. We got... Shout out to, to our friends at Roycast. They're doing a good job. Oh, I don't know it. I'll have to uh, check it out. Yeah, they're good. Uh, all right. There was one sentence that, that I heard that's that's giving me absolutely uh, Sopranos brain poisoning. And it's after finding out that his grandmother wasn't coming to his birthday party. <laughs> yes. oh <my> what? <laughs> no fucking Z. No fucking Z. Speaking of other podcasts, so our our competitor Sopranos podcast is called No Fucking Z. Oh, amazing! That's the other Sopranos podcast I saw when I was looking for other Sopranos podcasts. But yeah, that's a great fucking oh. line. The casting we talked about casting in our intro episode. Casting for AJ Soprano uh, is great. Yes. He's such a little shithead. You can tell just by looking at him. The haircut, mm-hmm. like yeah. the clothes they put him in. He's such a piece of shit fail son. Uh just no, from the first No, 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 episode. no. Hold on. Let me let me back up as the uh as I, I guess the uh, half Italian quarter Italian representative here. Uh, let me say that the chubby, uh, spoiled, rotten son is a Italian trope. Oh, absolutely! Like it is. 
it is, you know, little fucking fat princes, you know, every, everybody loves them. Uh, the mom dotes on them. The grandma dotes on them. That is 100% uh, accurate. Hell yeah, AJ for being a fat fucking no CD having kid. Yeah, and they fucking, I just think they fucking nailed it. Um, yeah. So yeah, so let's talk about uh, Meadow. Since we're talking about the kids. Meadow doesn't get to go to Aspen to see Ski Ulrich. <laughs> Talk about a renaissance. I don't know if any, either of y'all watch Riverdale. I have watched some Riverdale. <laughs> Ski Ulrich is still hot. He is uh, very, very good looking. Yeah. I. Uh, well, I'll just say this. I'm glad that I live in the era of Riverdale so that I can truly appreciate that Ski Ulrich reference. Um, uh-huh. I also just like relate to Meadow on a lot of levels <laughs> and I'm very excited yeah. about her as a character. I mean, like absolutely when it comes to like, I'm not going to just go to your fucking tea thing. I'm not doing it. Right. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. She's such a brat. She's a, yep. she's a brat, but she's also just like, I mean, listen, I'm, I, oh, are you going to defend Meadow Soprano? You probably. Okay. Oh, you're going to hear. I mean, we're at the very beginning of this uh, little adventure, so I don't know what is to come. But I, as someone who was a very, um, what's the word, uh, just sad teenage <laughs> girl, I 100% get it. There's a little glimmer of an eating disorder. Boo, mm-hmm. uh, that is going to be... Uh, Probably handled really well. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, yeah, just a lot of uh, a lot of love for Meadow over here. So, did you all ever have a "you can't go to Aspen with Hunter" moment growing up? Because I definitely did. I had a moment where I wanted to go to Bush Gardens with my friends, <laughs> okay. and my my mom told me no. And she has a voicemail that I think she has kept that I left her <laughs> where I said that I was going to emancipate myself <laughs> because it was so unfair that she wasn't going to let me go to Bush Gardens. Uh, and she was not concerned. I believe her when she retells the story, she talks about how she remembers like listening to the voicemail on speakerphone, cackling with her friends. Yeah. Which hurts me deeply, but <laughs> so if your mom still has that, <laughs> oh, I'll see if I can get my hands. That on would it. be great for the podcast. <laughs> sure, it's good. <laughs> it sounds just <laughs> like what Meadows said to her mom. I can almost guarantee you. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, but and, and also, also, how uh, like imagine being a uh, what? How old is she? Maybe 13, 14 year old girl. I think she's supposed girl. to be like maybe fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. I think she's supposed to be in high school. And then you know, trying she's to escape, and 13. then sorry, and then and then getting fucking gun faced, yeah. like trying to escape. <laughs> like, and what? of course, AJ is the shitty little brother. He locked her out. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Acts like he didn't do it. Also, Meadow doesn't yeah. react to the AK fucking forty seven. <laughs> Nobody does. Right. I think Except that's also a little telling, and as well as the little look she gives her mom when her mom's like, "You've got to follow the rules," and she gives her a look. Carmela says, "You got something to say to me?" So I think we're, you know, I think we're supposed to think that Meadow knows a little bit about what's uh, mm-hmm. what's going on here too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but mine was I wanted to go to Warp Tour in Cincinnati. <laughs> my friends <laughs> and my mom wouldn't let me go oh, no. 
And what happened? Well, wait, my friend why, had did, just, why didn't you go? She had just gotten her license. She was like <laughs> 17. She had just gotten her license like a month ago. Um, and I was, so yeah, so my mom was like, you're not going to Cincinnati, which is like three or four hours away from where I grew up. She's like, you're not going mm-hmm. to Cincinnati with your weird friends to this weird concert that I don't like. <laughs> Who was playing? Do you remember? I mean, it was Warp Tour. It was, I mean, the same fucking 10 bands that always play Warp Tour. Bad Religion, No Effects. Pennywise, I'm sure. Anti-Flag. Leftism. Uh, did you ha- ever have one of those moments, Ben? Uh, no. Uh, I never wanted to do anything or go anywhere. <laughs> I was a little pussy of a child, so. Hey... Little pussy. <laughs> little pussy. We're, My pussy? Little pussy? We've got to get to the point where we have decided which character we identify with most. Um, oh, who's your uh, Who's your MVP of the episode? Chris. Chris, Chris. is the okay. MVP. Yeah, He's I got think... the body count. Mm-hmm. Wow, damn. Chris might be mine, too. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is a good character. Uh, and Michael Imperioli acts very well. Uh, and uh, like I think I said this in the intro episode, he uh, he writes a few episodes later on, mm-hmm. uh, and they're good fucking episodes. So I have this to look forward to. If you get the chance, you should check out uh, Michael Imperioli's. I think he did like a tequila commercial. Oh yeah, oh, that's my the other thing that God. he's famous for the tequila where it pours yes! into the top yes! of it. So if you're too <laughs> fucking drunk to find your shot glasses, it comes with a shot glass in the lid. The- 1800. Yeah, 1800. The Shout out to 1800. Yes, that's right. 1800. Give us sponsorship. <laughs> Give us free tequila. <laughs> or Michael Imperioli sponsor us. I don't know. Yeah. We're hyping you up kind of a lot. Uh, yeah. Come on, Gabagool and Roses. Yeah, Michael Imperioli, be our pay pig. <laughs> so, all right. I, I think that I, the last thing that I remember uh, writing down uh, was... Uh, the man is driven in Toto by insecurity. Yes. Said about Junior. Yeah. And I was like, damn, we are actually talking about, oh, I don't know, America after 19, uh, well, I can only speak after 1988, but, you know, but Jesus Christ, right? (laughs) Right. As we're, as we're on the brink of another war, uh, Mm -hmm. perhaps, uh, we're recording this, I'm going to age the podcast again. We're recording this right after we recorded the intro episode, so uh, we're still on the brink of war with Iran, uh, and yeah, we are driven in toto by our insecurities as a nation. Yeah, did you see that Pompeo was like, oh, I don't know, this would be Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. He was like, yeah, I don't think the Iraqi people actually want us to leave Iraq. (laughs) I don't know. It's absolutely incredible the way that information is given to us where it's just like a a guy being like uh I, we heard this thing and there's mm-hmm. no i mean like imagine writing a fucking college paper the way that our like government officials give statements right <laughs> so all right uh we're gonna develop bits and things i think as we continue with this podcast but one of the ones i want to try is i'm gonna call the dialectic this is uh uh this is i should point out this is not how uh dialectics works this is uh but it's kind of also not how it really works but if you're interested you should read about dialectics but it's not exactly what we're gonna do so anyway 
We're going to do the thesis, the antithesis, and the synthesis. Uh, the thesis, something you liked. The antithesis, something you didn't like. And the synthesis, something you loved. So uh, I will go first and give my hosts time to, Thank my co-hosts God. time to think. Um, even though, to be fair, I think I did mention this before. No, you did. This anyway. is on us. Uh, so the the thesis, something that I liked. I like uh, a lot. Um, I like Artie Bucco's, the guy who plays Artie Bucco, I think does a very good job acting in this episode. Uh, I think he's uh, given kind of a lot to do in a little part. Um, including having like a breakdown grill side while everyone tells him that insurance will pay for the place they just blew up. Um, I think that's really good. Uh, something that I didn't like in this episode, I think there is a lot going on in this episode, and I wonder if it's too much. I think there might be too much going on. Um, and it's it does feel a little crowded, but it does do a good job of I think, setting up all of the characters. And the synthesis, something I loved, I love the way that this uh, first episode sets up the dichotomy between his family and his family, his, his mob family, um, and the way that it shows sort of Tony taking things from therapy, both to his mob family and to his regular family, um, I think it's really interesting. So those are the things that I liked and didn't like. So here are the things. Here are the things that I liked. Uh, you know, and, and I, I touched on it at the beginning of the of today's episode. I I loved Tony's thought that you know I've got this friend and I don't want this friend's business to suffer, and I need to make sure that nothing bad happens to his friend, uh, his friend's business. So I liked that, and then I I didn't like. And he decided at the end, ultimately, oh, I'll just fucking blow up his business. I'll just, it's like that that was the decision that you came to, you know, and, and the reason why I don't like it is because it, it to me, it is this, uh, this representative of some kind of like reputation culture, you know, like if somebody gets shot and killed in your restaurant, nobody's going to want to go back. Well, obviously, right? right. But sort of like, you know, the whole reason why I'm going to blow up your restaurant and destroy this restaurant is so that you don't get a bad reputation. Right? right. So, fuck that. That's stupid. Social um, Right. That's dumb. So, something that I loved, I loved, I loved that, um, that Tony wanted to uh, show his children that his ducks could fly. <laughs> I, thought I thought, I thought, you know, what a, what a fantastic way to introduce ourselves introduce us to this absolutely unhinged fucking maniac. Wait, that's ableist. I don't think I'm allowed to say that. Uh, yeah, uh, I've also been calling <laughs> them all dumb and stupid, and that's probably ableist too, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. He's a goon. Yeah. And we see uh -huh. the goon play with his ducks. <laughs> um, let's see. So, I really liked, uh, this is a simple thing to have liked, but I liked seeing Drea DiMatteo. Uh, she, I really like her as an actress, and uh, I got a little hint from John, a little spoiler, can I say it? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that she's going to be in the show more, and I'm very excited about that. I think she's beautiful and cool. Cool. She's playing the hostess in the restaurant. Yeah, she plays the hostess in the restaurant, and I was like, who is 
I know who that is. Yeah. She has this incredible dark lipstick on, which is something I'm a big fan of. Um, she's not as recognizable, but she is no. still recognizable. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, and so that was an interesting, uh, you know, minute. like they introduce Tony to the uh, therapist, Dr. Melfi, and suddenly they get a table, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the power mm-hmm. of Tony Soprano. Yeah. So. I also liked the energy that she had where she was just like, fuck off to the guy that was <laughs> right. being a dick. She was like, all right, I'm ignoring the shit out of you. This is not acceptable. Yeah. Is like white man, number one thing to go to. Yeah. Oh, and oh, I, I reamed her out. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah right. <laughs> Which like man. is not an impressive thing. Like right. most women on dates would be like, okay, you suck. Like right. what the fuck? I don't. Yeah. Uh, be nice to people who are working in restaurants that you are patronizing. I don't know. Be nice to service workers. Yeah. You know? What the fuck? Or just yeah. like be nice yeah. to people in general. Which <laughs> Be nice to everyone except capitalists. Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm just uh, I'm a lover. I want everybody to love each other and this is the perfect show to be watching. All of us are workers and we're, we're for uh, being nice to workers. Yeah. And a lot of people. Um... Okay, so the thing that I did not like was the homophobia. Oh, that's right. Uh, just a little place. Just the drive-by slid F-bomb. in there, just boop, drops ever so gently by Sorry. Uncle Junior. So fuck Uncle, Uncle Junior, uh, that's what I have to say. And the thing that You're I loved, <laughs> uh, Uncle Junior, you've been put on blast officially. The thing that I loved was the... Uh, I I am really already enjoying seeing Tony and uh, Carmela's um, uh, relationship. I think that it's going to probably be my favorite relationship of the show just because I I am very intrigued by uh, the the inner workings of a toxic relationship. I wonder why. Um, I... I liked his confession. The confession scene, like, really was very rich to me. There was good acting in that scene. There was good dialogue. It reminded me when he said, I have a confession to make, and her face drops. It reminded me of the, are you in the right headspace for information that could potentially hurt you to me? <laughs> right. And uh, I think, you know, that that's, that's a good little meme, uh, potential meme, if anyone wants to make that. I certainly will not. Make memes. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm pumped for that. I'm hyped up. Very good. So that was the dialectic. Those were the things that we liked and didn't like and loved about the episode. So that was... Hey, John. Yeah, bud. Here's a here's another bit. All right. Uh, because you are now watching this with an ear toward music, what did you learn? Not much, right? There wasn't a lot of music in that episode. Right, right. There's the theme song, and uh, right. I know the closing... Oh, and I made a mental note. I'm going to have to take notes next time. I made a mental note. Now I already forgot what the closing song was. I liked the... They played one song. I didn't know what it was when uh, Christopher gets out of the car and starts beating up the dude in the beginning. I don't I don't yeah. remember what song it was, but it was good. It was like a more like upbeat modern song. And then um, what was what was he dancing to <laughs> in the... Um, With his mom? No, no, no. What was Christopher dancing to in the butcher shop? Oh, I don't know. I'm, hold on. I'm looking on Wikipedia to see if I can find it. Uh, I'm a Man by Bo Diddley. I feel like... It, okay. I feel like maybe it wasn't that. But... I feel like... 
I'm remembering something now, uh, something different, but maybe, I don't know. I, I, I did like, the Michael, the music for Michael Imperioli has been good so far. I don't know how they're, I don't know how they're parsing out who gets what songs, but so far every, I mean, let's just be honest, he's a scene stealer. Oh, for sure. Definitely. I love it. He's great. Um, so we had some, uh, so the music at the end of the episode is The Beast in Me by Nick Lowe, um, which is, yeah, the, the opening line of that is something like, like, I'm a beast or something like that. It's, it's great. A uh, way to sort of wrap up the episode and, uh, and again, sort of reiterate the themes that we've learned and what we've learned about Tony just in this first episode. So apparently the music that I liked from that scene where uh, t- Chris- Christopher and Tony are chasing the debtor is called I Wonder Why by Dion and the Belmonts. And apparently David Chase said that he regrets choosing that song. But I think it worked. I liked it. But maybe he didn't mean for that to be the tone. I think I liked it because of the juxtaposition of like the, right. you know, I like shit like that. But maybe yeah. he didn't mean it almost had like a snatch vibe. Definitely. Where you're just yeah. like beating the shit out of someone and there's like a Madonna song in the or background. Or Tarantino, yeah. almost, yeah. I, Cutting the ear off. I prefer it. Um, yeah. Sure, sure. Speaking of problematic white men, Quentin Tarantino. Well, well yeah. Uh, I mean, I, when they're sitting in front of the uh, pork shop uh, drinking espresso, it was the same song that Mia Wallace and what's his face? Rumble by Link Ray. Ah. Link Ray. Okay, yeah, that's that's playing at the same time. It's what's playing as they're ordering and talking and waiting for their food to get there, and they're looking around, watching Marilyn Monroe's dress fly up or whatever. We'll have to take notes on music. Yeah, I'll, 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 I need to take notes next time and actually pay attention to the music better, because I did a bad job. But it's it's oh, a lot of God so like God. Tony's mom is into the old crooners, right? Like he pulls out, yeah, he pulls out the CDs. CDs are kind of a new thing, yeah. Uh, although how far we've come, even in '97, I feel like CDs weren't like new, new, right? Right. Yeah. But anyway, but for so, an old lady, for an old lady, sure. And, sure. and shout out to Meadow for listening to some very uh, like depressing, like boy shit while. Uh, before her mom runs in and tells her to go to tea with her. And then logging into a chat room, an <laughs> internet chat room that takes a full minute to load to the opening screen. I think it had the dial-up noise and everything. Yeah. Like, oh. It's very, very late 90s. I love it. You have mail. Yeah, we heard that you got yeah. mail. Uh, that's literally every single thing that I saw. Um <laughs> So we talked about this a little bit in the intro, and Ben, it sounded like you had more to say. So Tony mentions the Rico statute. I just want to do this briefly. Ben, what what do you know about the Rico statute? I'll put you on the spot. Uh, yeah, I don't know all that much about it, you know, other than it's it's the tool that you know the Justice Department used to break down organized crime. Uh, there is a civil component to Rico, though. Um, and there is a civil cause of action that arises under the RICO statutes. And in the world of just demented pro se people who sue anybody and everybody for everything that's ever happened to them, uh, you tend to find a lot of lawsuits brought under RICO. Whenever I hear RICO, I always roll my eyes. Right. And I hope everybody else will for the rest of their lives. Yeah. 
So uh, RICO stands for the racket. Uh, I tried to do this before and I had to look it up. The Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. Um, and basically, so one of the primary um, criticisms of RICO is it takes state violations, criminal law violations, and makes them federal. Um, so under RICO, you have predicates um, that are like state type um or no, that, that are the, the federal things that will get you hooked in so that everything in your case then becomes a federal case. One of those includes like using phones or the mail makes your case fucking federal. So it's a way to um, to put pressure on individuals and uh, especially on organizations um, to uh, to snitch, to turn to uh that they get you know that the feds have a lot more resources the fbi has a lot more resources than local cops especially in new north jersey as we'll see so um you know the making something a rico case is often uh just about uh making something federal and taking it out of the hands of the local police and local uh, uh, uh law enforcement so i don't know much about it at all other than um other than it's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. It is definitely Go bullshit. get you Go catch you a Rico charge, you coward. Yeah. Uh. Don't do that, because it, then it's you and all your fucking friends are going to jail. Um, and, and racketeering, is, that, that's the other thing. Racketeering is a really fucking baseless charge. It's basically conspiracy to commit a cons- conspiracy. Mm. To commit a crime. So it's, it's a bunch of bullshit. So, um, who knows? We'll probably... May not keep this part in, but I like it. Sounds. Uh, I think we could get more into it even in the future. In the future, for sure, because this is not the first time that we'll we'll talk about Rico. But you did hear Tony mention Rico, who's not his cousin or uncle or whatever. Yeah, this Melfi thing. jokes on you, Doctor. Yeah, now who's the stupid yeah. Doctor? He's got a year Thank and a you. half, or a semester and a half of community college or whatever. Um. Yep. So. Uh, and then, uh, you know, also looking at it from the left, we've got some uh, some mental health care uh, stuff going on. And we talked about that as well. I mean, if we really wanted to get into it, I think uh, something that we can talk about is how, like, you know, what I'm saying about the fam, like nobody liking each other is like, you know, it's funny. But it also is a very real thing that happens in like with white supremacy, which is that we we. Uh, think that these bonds that have been told to us that are like sacred like your family uh are things that you absolutely have to place before anything else you have to be loyal and what does loyalty mean and there's no room for investigating or like questioning toxic behaviors um and i think there's going to be a lot of that a lot of room for that kind of discussion in here for sure for sure absolutely so um like why don't why doesn't like it's clearly stressing Tony the fuck out. Like, why doesn't he just like move the fuck to like a farm in Oregon and like peace out? That's right. what I would do. That the whole time I was watching it, I was like, if I would, and this is why I like Meadow because I feel like she's thinking this. <laughs> I feel like she's plotting her escape. She's like, I'm gonna get the fuck out of here. I'm gonna go raise some goddamn chickens. Uh, you know, I'm gonna wear like long cotton dresses every day and like fall in love with an artist. You know, I want that for her. <laughs> And I'm not projecting, by the way. Uh, I wasn't going to say that you were. That would be rude. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, no, I, I think that's. I think that makes sense. Uh, Meadow, definitely, you see her 
threatened to move away, right? I'm not even going to be here to go with you to the plaza. Yeah. Trump's Plaza Hotel, by the way. And see, and that's why. And that's Shout why, out to the professor, Dr. Donald Trump. Uh, and that's why we stand Meadow. Did, uh, okay, Rachel's official <laughs> position. Rachel stands Meadow. Wait, this we're only an episode. And the way you talk about it makes me very anxious because I feel like you're there's going to be some shit that goes down. Yeah, Meadow's going to kill Tony. Okay, that's yeah. fine with me. I stand. We stand. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm trying to be to not give spoilers or hints. Yeah, but you're doing it. You're do- yeah, there, there, yeah. So if I have to stand someone, who do you stand? Ah, st- <laughs> Here we go. Here's a new bit. Who do you stand, dude? All right, so I stand. Uh, God damn it, nobody. Fuck all of them. You have to pick somebody. Or the game is yeah, you have to pick someone. You know, I liked um. I liked Little Pussy and I liked uh, Herman. <laughs> Little Pussy isn't in the episode. <laughs> Big Pussy? Tony's Pussy? Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, That's Big, Big Pussy. Pussy. Big, Pussy who, Big Pussy who, with Christopher, they throw the body into the fucking uh, track, the dumpster. Yeah. Oh, that was right. so good. And, and when I say that, can, at the dumpster. Right, they throw it at the dumpster. And right. he kept, a, right. when he was killing him, he kept correcting his name. Right. <laughs> he was like, it's A-Mail. A-Mail. Not E-Mail. Right. And I, I liked, you know, when they were threatening the uh, the insurance guy, the health insurance guy, uh, I liked that the, the food truck left and all these people left yeah, and threw the apple in the, in the, I thought that was, that was good. I like him. He's about his business, Stan. You stand big pussy. I stand. I'm going to get pussy. t-shirts made and you're the only one who's not going to be able to wear yours. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so, uh, if you're out there and you want to send Ben an I Stand Big Pussy t-shirt, <laughs> what do you, Ben, about a medium? God damn, that's a good so, shirt. So, yeah. I oh Stand Big Pussy is, is really good. I'm putting that in my Tinder bio. Is that is that the episode title? Uh, yeah, episode one, season one, I Stand Big Pussy. Wait, who do you stand, John? Oh, you know who I stand. Oh, right, yeah. We always, stand Carmella. We always stand Carmella, yeah. Uh, but if I have to stand someone who isn't Carmella, uh, I'm going to stand AJ Soprano yeah. for that no fucking ZD line <laughs> delivered perfectly. Yeah. What? So no fucking ZD? Great. And about- it's his birthday. So happy birthday, AJ. <laughs> You're 13. What about- You're a real man. What, what about Charmaine? Charmaine, the voice of reason. Charmaine is great. Uh, we do stand Charmaine. Who? Artie's wife. Oh, yes, we do stand. We stand, Charmaine. Yeah. We apologize in advance for, like, probably going to be getting shit on. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we're going to be getting shit on. That's what the internet's for. So, all right, I stand all the women in the show. Boo, <laughs> 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 <Ooh>, coward. <laughs> you coward. This is wokeness gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, yep. This is yeah. Except who though? Except who? Who don't you? He has one exception. Hunter, fuck Hunter. She sucks. Hunter, Why? Hunter Scangarelli. 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 Yeah. Worst name. Yeah, she's she's bad. It's Why a real name though. Doesn't that sound like your sister's best friend? Hunter oh, yeah. Scangarelli. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Ben, why do you not like her? She's worthless. <laughs> she's going to Aspen. You know how often that exactly. happens. Exactly. That's exactly why. She saw Skeet Ulrich from Scream. But 
She invited her friend Meadow. That's nice. Uh huh. She's a bad influence on Meadow. I mean, that's probably true. Well, shit. Uh, so that's who we. I gotta go to Dungeons and Dragons. Oh my so. god, me too. Ben doesn't really have to go to Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons. <laughs> Fuck <Yep>. off. <laughs> Well, hey, this was fun. We should do this uh, every fucking night. Let's, we should do this every night. Oh, shit. All right. Every day. <laughs> now, I am yeah. unemployed. How about the rest of you? Uh, I'm woefully employed. I want you to say the names and addresses of your employer so that uh-huh. we can all be doxxed and murdered by the internet. I work for the United States Department of Labor. Uh <laughs> And they can eat my asshole. Mm. <laughs> um, I, you know, I work for um, uh, a school. I'll say that. I, what, was it Make up serious? a school. Make a fake school. <laughs> like I did. Okay. Um, I work at uh, Maitland University in Greensboro, Ooh. North Carolina. And Could have uh, gone with, like, Dr. Melfi's school oh, I of used to gifted children. Which is what, that's my uh, go-to every time. I was going to say, and our, our president is Beetlejuice. I fucking wish, man. Okay, let's on for another time. Okay. For another time, we'll watch Beetlejuice and talk about Don't it. Don't tease me with that, because I will fucking make y'all do well, it. Well, now it's going to be a Patreon exclusive. Patreon exclusive. Mm-hmm. We got exclusive. Oh, wait. Before we sign off, I have one idea that I want to float out. And maybe we don't have to include this in the episode. But what if for our Patreon, we do uh, like a live stream of us like making a a recipe from the show? Oh, I think that would be good. Yeah. There is a Sopranos Mm -hmm. cookbook. uh, Uh, And we can totally get it and make recipes. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think that would be a good idea. We could like review recipes yeah. from the Sopranos cookbook. Yeah, that'd be very fun. Um, I also want us to watch Analyze This. Yeah, which has a lot of similarities to the show. Uh, with like, you know the mobster, the basic premise: the mobster has uh, panic attacks and ends up in therapy. Um, that movie came out just like three months after the show, though. Oh. After this first episode, so that's a weird little. What? Why? Why? What was with the like? big surge in like mafioso crime stuff in that in the 90s uh i think the sopranos has a lot to do with it honestly it was all sopranos i, I mean that, late 90s I, I mean what do you what do you think of that like you really want to get into this because here's my theory my theory is uh the rodney king riots uh uh then the oj simpson trial and uh you know Everybody in America was like, God, you know, white people are such pussies. And then we're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah that's what they were like. Bingo. Ben Woody on race relations. Interesting take. <laughs> that truck driver and the Rodney King riots got his fucking face smashed with a cedar or cinder block. So mm-hmm. let's watch mafia movies. That's the. Yeah. That's a thesis. That's a, right. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah, uh, me right. either. Well, we'll work on our antithesis and our uh, synthesis for next week, and we'll okay. attack it with the dialectic, or not. I'm excited. Cool. Uh, all, right, all right, so let's uh, let's all sign off uh, until next week, where we'll be we will be watching season one, episode two of The Sopranos. Okay, this is <clears throat> this is Rachel signing off, and this is Ben. Have a nice week, everyone.
And this is John Evans. This has been Gabagool and Roses. Take your medication, go to therapy, and organize for the revolution. Goodbye. I love you. Love you.